0: demons go outside screaming you can run but you can't hide you can't scare me I'm already
1: dead inside. hey scaredy cats welcome back to another episode of the text Chris Dave saw massacre welcome back guys this week we're doing the devil's rejects
0: zombie. by Rob zombie <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite one you've done. That's my favorite one. Thank you. I've never heard just (laughs) Zombie singled out of that song, and it's hilarious. And we've never had an audio clip that's like 0.25
1: seconds long, so why not? (laughs) This movie was directed
0: by Rob... (laughs) It's perfect, but I don't think there are any in it per se. No, not in this one. It's just directed by Rob... uh... Yeah. (laughs) Of which, I mean, I have
1: to admit, I think you were saying the same thing. I'm really not familiar. I'm very yeah. ignorant about Rob Zombie's films in particular. Yeah, I'm a little almost like embarrassed going into this one. Like, guys, I don't know. Absolutely. I don't know. Absolutely. So we apologize in advance that we are we are not very well versed yeah. in Rob Zombie films. I've, I saw Halloween and I think Halloween 2 yeah. when they came
0: out and they weren't particularly memorable for me at that no. time exactly that's exactly what i think about him like i know he's directed a couple movies that i have seen but they were unremarkable to me yeah at the time at the time yeah in the it early could be 2000s different. it could be different now but mm-hmm.
1: our tastes um, could clearly have changed and i've had these ones recommended lots especially (laughs) devil's rejects in particular and that's kind of why we're starting with this one and not um house of a thousand corpse is because people say that this is the better film
0: yeah um and and it's loosely connected to the first that you don't necessarily need to watch it um and this is straight from wikipedia but um sherry moon zombie um his wife yeah Um, sorry sorry who sherry moon does not see the film as a sequel it's more like some of the characters from house of a thousand corpses came on over and now they're the devil's rejects okay she says (laughs) yeah my understanding is that like they're the bad guys in the first one these three characters yeah uh they're part of the family
1: who like i mean we've seen that that image everywhere people are obsessed with that guy uh captain you'd you'd recognize the face i'm sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um but they're the bad guys in the first one and they're the protagonists in this one
0: yeah 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 and i think still like in theory, they're still bad guys. Exactly. Yeah. But we're just
1: now on the POV switches yeah. to, we're seeing what's happening to them and watching them navigate the world as opposed to yes. being stuck with um, a group of teenagers that are um, approaching that house and
0: at their mercy. Exactly. Yeah. Like to um, follow along a, a group of friendly psychopaths.
1: Yeah. And I have it on good authority from an anonymous Reddit comment that it doesn't matter that
0: we watch them in this order. So, <laughs> so that's that. Yeah. I mean, and you know, um, Rob Zombie's wife, and Sherry Moon. Sherry Moon. Sorry, a little late with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, and
1: somewhat topical because the long-awaited threequel to this trilogy mm-hmm. is coming out some at some point this year. Exactly. Right, three from hell. Yep. Yeah. So, so
0: that'll be. I guess, is it? I think it's still a continuation of the same. I think it's the same. same t- I think
1: they're the three from hell.
0: Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. Those those are so similar in terms of uh, I don't know the image that it gives me. Great, yeah, great, yeah. That's a, that's a very intelligent comment for everybody <laughs> to chew on. Yeah, but I mean, people are very excited for to see these three again yeah. and come back. And I haven't been too crazy pumped about it because, like we said, we haven't really engaged too much with uh, Rob. <laughs> a lot of work for you on this one chris
1: i know I, I should i'm just gonna keep my finger on the thing to keep it close and handy no i, I can't I'll, I'll just overuse it um <laughs> yeah so i mean maybe three from hell will come to toronto after dark i bet that's a likely thing that'd be cool
0: yeah and, and i mean this could uh this could inspire some hype for us potentially if we have a good time with it yeah um the impression that i've gotten and some in, in just i guess the overall zeitgeist about it since since it's come out and everyone's seen it but us yeah um and reading a little bit is that it's pretty like depraved and gory and brutal yeah i'm i'm down for that and there seems to be kind of like a like a a goofiness
1: or a clownishness to that kind of gore do you yeah. know what i mean like it does it doesn't seem as like dark and twisted as kind of grindhousey or something sure. like that okay yeah. aesthetic
0: it's got i don't know if it's like dark humor is the right word but maybe like carnivalish and totally and totally yeah. carnivalish. yeah yeah Something like that. He definitely has his
1: own unique aesthetic that just from images we've kind of been able to pick up on. And from what I remember of the first two or the Halloween movies that he made. Yeah. I'm a twisted
0: clown (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, image. And he had he had one that came out last year, right? 33 was that what it was called? I have no idea. Yeah, it was like a it was like a
1: real grassroots, crowdfunded one. Oh, sorry for the lack of research. On top of all, that's <laughs> what, <laughs> everything else, that's we're ignorant on this one. Yeah, we but, it. But I'm excited to finally break that yeah. ignorance and watch this
0: one. Exactly. That's uh, that's part of what we do here on the Texico Stavosaw Massacre. Yeah, we uh, indulge in uh, some of the classics that we've never ever seen, mm-hmm. um, and give our live feeling about seeing that movie for the first time exactly exactly
1: immediate reactions and a major point of this podcast so, is to for us to educate ourselves yeah. on the horror canon and that's this is an extreme example of that for sure
0: exactly so i'm i'm pretty excited to watch it for that reason mm-hmm. but again i don't know much about about it at all
1: same here my friend so i guess we should go to our
0: first segment then no scare and tell. Scare and tell. what'd you watch for scare and tell this week dave i watched a little movie on netflix Mm -hmm. called i am mother oh yeah have you seen this have you heard about this i haven't seen it
1: i've heard about it i know hillary swank's in it Mm -hmm. um and i've seen some okay half decent reviews for it
0: yeah um i i gotta figure out what to do about like letterboxd because like Mm -hmm. i want to like log it right when i watch the movie but then i'm kind of giving my thoughts away if i'm gonna talk about it on the podcast no
1: i know Us being active on Letterboxd definitely throws a bit of a wrench into some of the um, novelty of our scare and tell, at least for each other. (laughs) Because it's it's gone from now, um, oh, I have no idea what Dave is going to say to, well, I know Dave watched like these (laughs) two movies the past week. So he's probably going to talk about one of them. And yes, I know you're rating. um, And then depending on whether or not you leave a review which mm-hmm. to, to me i'm sure it's the same for you It just is totally random when I feel like I have yeah. something
0: to say on letterbox I I try to do it now like when i've just watched the movie mm-hmm. Like I can say something right now something small when it's fresh quick yeah, yeah when it's fresh and then it'll also refresh my memory when I look right. back on that Yeah,
1: um, I guess for me it's like when when I feel like I have Something I want to say or something that's like a unique opinion or like a just yeah. a stupid
0: funny one-liner or something like that yeah, 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 I'm sure there's tons of movies where... I could give it a, a, re- a rating but I have nothing to say about exactly. it. Exactly. It's like well I didn't feel particularly
1: strongly in any way or have any like lingering thoughts from it so I'm just gonna pop yeah. the rating
0: on and move on. letterbox.com slash Dave Saw. letterbox.com slash Chris Vandenberg. Check us out. Um, So yeah right there you'll you'll see my little one line review on uh, And I, I think you gave it like four
1: stars? Is that yeah.
0: Right? I really 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 liked it. Awesome. It was like um, I think I said something along the lines of like a remix of sa- a refreshing remix of sci-fi cliches like, okay it's not necessarily something brand new in any way but it's almost like yeah a remix is the best way i can say it like a walk down memory lane in terms of all of the things that you really like about a sci-fi movie mm. um but put in places you didn't expect or just done really well you know great performances look great great practical effects like Right. Every little component that you could enjoy about a sci-fi movie, I think, is done well at one moment or throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, so, what it's about, uh, if you haven't looked into it at all, is um, there's a extinction event, and uh, in this like facility that houses like fifty thousand human embryos. Okay. Um, this robot guardian mother grows one, and uh, that little girl, his daughter. Mm-hmm. The robot is mother, and they live in this facility alone, and she does schooling, and... So there's no humans, just embryos, and yeah. one of the embryos gets chosen, grown, and now it's being raised by this robot. Yeah, they're like little, like, um, like vending machine-style, like little plastic bubbles that nice. get slotted into a machine and then grow, like okay. in 24 hours or something. Oh, shit. Yeah, um, and it's... Uh, so it's just the two of them and their relationship, and uh, I might describe it like... Um, Sort of like uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane mm-hmm. in that like, yeah, there's an extinction event outside. It's toxic. You can't go out there. It's just like, why? A mouse came in. What do we, what about that, mother? Mm. It's like, yeah, don't worry about that. We'll just incinerate that mouse and we won't talk about it again. And so, yeah, just like 10 Cloverfield Lane um, questions about whether or not mother has been honest and what the ultimate goal is. Um yeah, is sort of what the story's about. Yeah, it's a classic
1: sci-fi idea going
0: mm-hmm. back to at least
1: since 2001 a space odyssey. Mm-hmm. It's like can we trust this computer, this algorithm to be in our best
0: interest? Yeah, and uh what they do with that because that's exactly right is is a classic been done before idea yeah. that we've all seen and we all sort of there's no way to do a robot mother where you're not skeptical the whole time. Mm. And they did a really good job with delivering, you know, each little um, addition, each little step in the story and how this, this girl deals with it. Um, it is amazing. The performances, the way it looked, the cinematography um, and I could gush about it for a really long time but I won't. I think you, everybody should see this movie Cool. Um, and, I, and like I said there's a lot of like things that you've seen before but I think it's done pretty well. Um, nice. One thing to, uh, to add to it is there's this video um, you can check out on YouTube if you've seen it and it's um, sort of breaking down with um, the lead of the um, the special effects team or the robot mm. effects uh, specifically. Is this one of those Netflix produced behind the scenes. It it comes off like that. It's, it's with Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Who's, okay, who's like an engineer. It works behind the scenes, movie props, and all sorts of stuff like that. Oh wow, very knowledgeable. Um, he worked on Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams. Really? Yeah, Adam Savage did. I had no idea. Or, or t- yeah, or had some long discussion about it. Anyway, it's a great video. You should check it out. Um, Bicentennial Man came up in um.
1: movie trivia like a couple months ago but i couldn't remember the name bicentennial man and my teammates like just had no idea about it either and all i could come up with was millennium man (laughs) (laughs) so i did not get that point unfortunately
0: oh that's great millennium man (laughs) like come on guys it's robin williams he's a robot do you remember i would have had that one for you i love that movie yeah yeah i love it <clears throat> and apparently he was wearing a practical suit that had like a whole bunch of... Oh, that sounds so uncomfortable. Yeah, because I mean, that one, that was a small suit. Yeah. Like, um, it was really tight to him. But so in Mother, um, there, Adam Savage was talking a little bit about that, um, mm-hmm. comparing having seen the suit that Robin or some of the components of what Robin Williams wore in Bicentennial Man, comparing it to the suit that was laid out in front of him on the table mm-hmm. from I Am Mother, as well as the guy who wore the suit sort of had the idea was the supervisor of the thing he's like if this movie is dependent on the performance and the look of this machine being flawless um and they really committed to that and they talk about how he had to like um how real the suit is it's a complete suit that a human fits in and walks around so every time you see this robot it's a person in a suit which may not be stunning to you because you haven't seen it but like you i wasn't sure Like, it looks like a person, but like, it was such a robot and he acts like a machine. And I mean, that's got to add such a tangible,
1: convincing layer to that, right? That it's not a CGI thing, it's not a machine.
0: It's you're actually seeing this naturalistic movement happen. There's on the front of the robot, like, On the chest panel and the panels going down the front of the right arm, Mm -hmm. like where you might cradle a baby, because that's what this robot's designed to do. It has these soft like silicon panels that warm up with glowing lights to like, so it's softer to hold a human baby. Oh my God. And it keeps them warm. And the suit actually does that like the suit actually has those like soft panels and no the the panels themselves are basically a soft like rubbery silicone and behind them have like warming lights so it'd be soft and comfortable for a baby to like yeah yeah yeah. snuggle into and it was they really made that they put that stuff in all like the joints are real so this guy's like got scars on his shoulders for from where it like pinched him all the time because the suit had to be so tight right because they needed to fit it in the corridors a person needed to fit inside of it and they needed to be able to like run and move around and stuff like that and i'm, I'm it, sold man this is pretty this oh, sounds pretty interesting it's, it's so cool so i mean like it's and I, the main tension is like you said the idea of like something kind of
1: potentially contaminating or getting in that's kind of the driving force of the narrative it's certainly in the beginning and okay
0: it just very the progression of it is like pretty linear so it builds up pretty consistently right so there's no one inception point. Like it, it continues to grow. Cool. And yeah, you can continue to kind of boomerang back and forth about like whose side you're on. Right. It's, it's really, really, really good. I loved how it ended. Like I love, there's this bigger, larger overarching concept that was really great. Like every way you could make a good sci-fi movie, they nailed it. I, I loved it. Awesome. Who's involved? I know, um, Hillary Swank is, is she the voice of mother? No. Um, that is Rose Byrne. Oh, um, great. Yeah, and uh, she is fantastic. Hilary Swank is plays woman. Um, that's her character. Is So, I mean, that's almost a bit of a spoiler. But, yeah, so a person shows up. So, very close to 10 Cloverfield Lane where right. you're challenged based on the concept that humans can't survive outside and then one appears outside. So, oh, we got to come to terms with that. Hilary Swank, this out. she's definitely not the best part. The, the main girl, um, Clara Regard Larson who plays daughter yeah at what age like how old is the daughter uh like f- 15 okay maybe around that age mm-hmm. um yeah and uh grant Sputor sutore it was the director mm. he's he did a great job it looks good the cinematography is good like they take their time and like do their due diligence in every component of of this movie and Mhm i really really was surprised at how good it was
1: awesome man that's yeah. great because i yeah i was a little bit skeptical just being a netflix movie in regards to how how quality it would be and then yeah i've heard a few good things and the fact that you're hiding yeah. it now is definitely pushing me to watch it oh it's great
0: yeah highly recommend checking it out scaredy crabs nice Well what in the world did you watch for scare and tell this week chris
1: so i'm going to talk about a movie from sweden that came out it was actually at tiff last september and i really wanted to see it there mm-hmm. it was on my list of films i wanted to see but all four screenings sold out immediately and i couldn't even get a ticket like even with like advanced package access the the one film that i couldn't get to see was annie ara at tiff last year for some reason huh. and i think that might have been because they gave maybe they put it in one of the smallest screens at tiff lightbox for the duration of the festival So it filled up really fast you mean I think maybe it must be something like that because it was just mm. bizarre that all these other high-profile films yeah. that I did want to see had no problem getting
0: into, but this one I couldn't get into. Yeah, I was waiting for your explanation on why yeah. that one specifically you couldn't.
1: Yeah, and then when it was, it came back to the light box because that the actual theater. So the Toronto International Film Festival has its own permanent theater that runs year-round here in Toronto, and for a lot of films that don't end up getting kind of huge distributions, or even the ones that do, the festival. Lightbox is the name of the theater. Yeah. Year round, it shows a lot of those movies that did play at the festival. So, if you miss it at the festival, you will get in. It was some like obscure foreign film. You will usually have a couple weeks' chance to go and see it mm-hmm. at Lightbox. So, I did that with NER. I came and I saw it a few months ago. And it takes place in a future where humans are just abandoning Earth and are all moving to Mars so we all have just like oh yeah the earth is fucked beyond belief we all just have to move to mars now and there's a whole intricate transport system in place of getting humans <laughs> from earth to mars okay and it starts with like a giant ass elevator that brings you up into the stratosphere and then you meet this giant ass ship that is essentially a huge mall that floats through space and that mall just transports people from the elevator on earth to mars and it just goes back and forth over a period it takes like um A couple weeks i think to get from earth to mars at this point in in technology sure but you buy like a ticket and it feels like you're on a giant cruise ship um but it's it's so brilliant to film then because you just find a mall and you film inside a mall and you just say this is a spaceship now yeah (laughs) it can be done pretty cheaply so the whole the whole premise of this film is like it starts with just a group of people getting up the elevator going on to aniara which is the giant transport mall and it is fucking giant it's got like Pools, arcades, whatever. Sure. All this, you can just kind of exist in there. And there's like, of course, all your food is provided for. You can get this different, this whole, um just like a plane. There's like first class, second class, different levels yeah. to it and everything. The ship is on its course to Mars from Earth, bringing a bunch of people there. And suddenly they realize that there's some kind of space junk in the way and they have to like dramatically veer out of the way to save the life of the, the whole giant mall ship. Jeez. But it, causes a Titanic style. Exactly. They have to dodge the iceberg, but it still gets hit. They take certain amounts of damage. Mm -hmm. They have to end up or they end up having to abandon all of their fuel for some reason, like the, the things get hit or whatever gets knocked out of the way. And now the ship is essentially just shooting off into space in a random direction. And the captain and everyone tells them, all right, we just have to wait till we hit a celestial body that we can use its orbit to slingshot around and send us back to Mars. We estimate at this point that we will likely hit a celestial body some point within the next two years. So now everyone on the ship is just like, fuck. <laughs> We're all stuck here in this giant mall thing for at least two years. Whoa. And cool, I'm loving this. Yeah, so it starts off like the the whole kind of first couple of weeks, they had enough kind of good food to kind of provide everyone. And then they do have backup emergency systems in place, but it's like they grow this algae to try to kind of create all these other products. Mm-hmm. So things kind of can go okay for a little while. And our protagonist is an employee of the Anara ship, and she runs specifically this holodeck-esque room on the ship where if you're feeling a little stressed or anxious on your journey the three weeks to Mars Mm -hmm. you can go into this kind of room and you kind of lie on your back and you look up and it's got this crazy kind of holographic image that reads your brain and your memories and it projects for you these images of kind of peace tranquility Mm -hmm. custom based on what that would mean for you tailor made exactly down kind of exactly so normally she runs this and she's the only one that runs this and it's like you know, you'll know, you have kind of a handful of people each day that come in and just really need to zen out and she will instruct them on it. Um, it's a very overwhelming process. So that's why she's specifically trained to be able to kind of resist the images that come down as she's walking underneath it and she can guide people to that. Mm. But of course, as they're now shooting off into space and people are getting more and more stressed out, this attraction becomes increasingly popular and like people are flooding it to try to get to there every day. So she's dealing with... Um, just way too many people come in. She's asking the captain, can the please have more staff? Like people are trying to come at it's starting to mess up with the holograph holodeck machine itself. It's starting to get overstressed. So that's kind of oh, a yeah. point of tension that propels the narrative forward. And then of course, just your standard. Um, well, like we're all stuck on here. How are we going to deal with each other? Are we going to be at each other's throats? Anarchy. Um, yeah. Anarchy. But there's a lot of cliches that this plot could go towards, which it effectively resists. Yeah. Like you could, you usually have like in movies, like, blindness or the road or any of those kind of apocalyptic movies where you just okay you know random leaders are going to emerge take over and people are going to fall into camps yeah the mist exactly yeah. it resists that it gives kind of almost a more grounded convincing portrayal of or at least a different portrayal of how humanity would deal with a situation like that hmm. um and it is profoundly compelling it's one of my favorite movies this year i wow. think it's probably number two behind midsummer for me right now um, wow, but it's, cool. it is, it is just a wonderful, very melancholy, um, but very beautiful film. And I think, yeah, I think everyone, if they can find it, check it out. It's called Aniara
0: from Aniara. Sweden. Wow. That sounds awesome. Is it it's yeah. English language? No, it's, oh. it's,
1: it's from Sweden. So it's in Swedish and you got to read subtitles. Everyone realized they had a language. That's cool.
0: Sorry, friends. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That sounds freaking amazing. Yeah, dude. It's right up your alley. You'll dig it oh this is a good heavy sci-fi uh scare and tell day today yeah i love that it. was cool doesn't really fit devil's reject but i
1: i love having two really exciting space movies that mm-hmm. we get to share um because that's our bread and butter like we love that shit when it's done right yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. and i say that because when i rewatched midsummer the other day there was a trailer for james gray's <laughs> new movie okay which is a space movie with Brad Pitt. It, it, it looks like the most generic thing yeah. that's not offering anything
0: new. Yeah, you know what? Like, stop sending really big famous celebrities, celebrities <laughs> to space in these sci-fi movies. End it. Yeah, it's done. No more Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt flying around. We don't want Brad Pitt up there. Matt Damon was okay because it was more less of a right you know, a sci-fi romp or whatever. yeah
1: but overall we can't trust big studios with space movies they oh. just go so vanilla with the plot yeah and so obvious it just feels like a algorithm pumping out what's gonna happen with the story
0: yeah i argue that ever so slightly with life i think that's a stunning movie but yeah life is one of the better ones for sure and
1: um there's another one a natalie portman one coming out called lucy in the sky which i think will be at tiff and there were a few reasons why that one was exciting. I don't know if it was the director or the writer, but mm. that one might be all right as well.
0: Yeah. Natalie Portman going from Annihilation to that. That's cool. Yeah. She
1: did Annihilation and Vox Lux last year. A yeah. couple interesting titles. Yeah, yeah. I like that. All right. Well, that brings us to... This Dave and Christy.
0: Separate head to head.
1: This Dave and Christy. Mm. We watched Friday the 13th Part 3. Okay. One year ago and Poltergeist the year before that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Does it feel like it's been two years since Poltergeist? Yeah. And does it feel like it's been one year since Friday the 13th? Uh, these aren't great questions. No, it's it feels just... like it's
0: been 10 years since Friday the 13th. The part three? Yeah. Uh, that was the 3D one. That was
1: the 3D one which
0: Jesus. I would love
1: to one day watch. I know they screened it in LA but I'd love to it watch 3D. it in 3D yeah. on the big screen. I think that would be wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, that one was fun. Those kind of, they've all been, except for the first one. Yeah. They've all been pretty fun so far
0: yeah but it um i'm sure this will change every time but it doesn't rank high on my like favorite 80s campy slasher type movies it's 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 kind of each one that comes out i don't it's fun i can enjoy you know the fact that this is uh, a brick in the wall of horror history certainly like there's something special about it but they're not my favorites
1: no i'm i definitely feel the same way but i do get a lot of pleasure out of watching them more so than like I definitely revisit the Friday the Thirteenth more
0: than like revisiting the Saw franchise or something like oh, that. Oh sure, like, but I mean like, it's would you, always fun to put on and see. Okay, what uh,
1: about how does Jason kill people in this one?
0: Yes, yeah, so that's that's what it is. But again, mm-hmm. like that's that could be a YouTube montage too. So the movie kind of needs to be for me. It needs to be a little bit better because like, um, I would go back and watch a Nightmare on Elm Street and love those movies i think they're really really good great slashers with good kills yeah und- undoubtedly
1: undoubtedly nightmare on elm street is a much better franchise and halloween is a much better franchise yeah and halloween i would do the same much more enjoyable than friday the 13th which is just barebone slasher I just think, the killers yeah. on the loose getting to kill people but those kills are why we watch we look forward to seeing yes. what he's going to be up to this time what kind of creative strange ways he's going to do it what kind of weird characters we're going to meet each time and yeah. in three we got what was his name the guy with the afro which, um, <laughs> for a scare and tell I'm going to do in another episode, um, that does seem to be a trope in slasher films to have that kind of
0: uh ish character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, right? He had the van. And they often have vans. Did, this- wait, is he wearing the mask all the time? Yes. He had Shelly. Shelly. Yes. <laughs> That's like a traditionally woman's name. But yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, by and far, this, this is kind of way too easy of a... What do we call this segment again? Oh. Oh, yeah, head to head edition. Oh yeah, yeah. That's in that's terms of severed easy. head. um Super easy. Poltergeist all the way. A hundred percent. Come
0: yeah. on, Poltergeist is great. It's great. um Can't wait to watch that third one finally. Yeah, and it's as simple as it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. like Mm-hmm. And Friday the Thirteenth Part Three is.
1: It traumatized yeah. me early on. It's going to stay with me forever. I love love Poltergeist. Yeah,
0: I didn't get traumatized by it, but I do. I really enjoyed seeing mm-hmm. just like when you see a movie that you didn't well watch made. it when you were ten. I did not. <laughs> i'm sure some 10 year olds can handle it when i was watching aliens yeah Yeah. exactly yeah our
1: our own individual trauma yeah
0: totally okay well
1: segments are done um we're getting ready to head into a rob (laughs) film nice uh anything else you want to say
0: um i yeah one quick thing i wanted to say that i should have said when i was talking about i am mother yeah um, because i was talking about the guy who uh who played mother and was the project supervisor and everything um his name is luke hawker um and he was krampus he like, played krampus in the suit in in the the one that we watched. and he's also mother and mother like you're saying I'm, he's yeah, the physical he, he's in gotcha. the robot suit and mother and he, nice. played, he was in the krampus suit and krampus awesome i yeah. mean krampus sound, seems like an easier gig well um, actually no not if you're like leaping around from roof to roof yeah, I don't know if he... <laughs> but, like, there, he couldn't see when he was in the mother suit. I have to imagine there's something similar because the human body doesn't quite fit. Mm-hmm. So his his eyes don't line up to, like, sort of where you'd recognize the facial features of mother. Yeah. So he, like, is acting based on, like, directions he's getting through a headset. Insane. And, yeah, doing the robotic movements. And he's delivering the lines, but, like, it'll be Rose Byrne who comes in and dubs over. Yeah. Um. But, like... In Krampus, I have to imagine it's the same way he probably can't see what he's doing. So to like Don't act creepy so, yeah. and do that slow turnaround and, and to you move forward. You get to, forward, move, you get a to move a lot
1: slower in Krampus. So yeah. it'd probably be a little bit easier. But you're right, it'd be the same skill set, and that's probably exactly why he got yeah. hired to do this kind of a job.
0: Yeah, Javier Botet, um Luke Hawker, like the body Doug acting Jones. that they Yeah, the body acting that they mm-hmm. showcase is just An essential part of the genre and making these things work. Yes, it's so important. But I mean, they're they're rarely as credited, you know, as like the Kane Hodders of the world. You totally, know, yeah, yeah. The actors who play Jason.
1: I feel like in in horror circles they are they well are, known I'm and sure. accepted. Yeah. But this is definitely the first I've heard this name.
0: So thank yeah. you. Yeah, Luke Hawker. Great. I think we should watch Devil's Rejects. Let's do yeah. it, man. All right. Sounds like uh, <laughs> what we're gonna do. <laughs> and let's do that now. now. wow that was, was it
1: yeah that was devil's rejects and i definitely get a lot of the appeal like it, it definitely stands mm-hmm. out um in terms of accomplishing that blood and dirt aesthetic yes right like what, what other movies kind of come close in that vein to just like, everyone's just so dirty and so bloody all the time
0: like, uh hills have eyes is kind of like that yep um oh we watched one not too not too long. Was it Pumpkinhead started like that? Yeah, that's
1: that's true. It was kind of in like a deserty setting. Yeah. Um... Yeah. It made me think of
0: Hatchet a lot too. Oh, yeah. Just
1: in terms of like the excessive gore and just taking place in the South.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And some of the like, you know, the constant freeze framing that would happen and yeah. slow down, like the, the frame slow down and stuff that they would do.
1: Yeah. Slow motion is just, uh, it's so hard to look back on since... Mm -hmm. Major motion pictures have started using like 120 frames per second to shoot slow-mo. So that way when you go slow-mo, it's actually as smooth as real time.
0: It's the same image moving slower rather than pictures, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: rather than like the actual frame rate being slowed down and giving you that kind of choppy effect, which they use as an aesthetic choice in something like Suspiria. Uh, but most of the times it just still looks so dated. Yeah. Well, that's
0: exactly what it is. That's like a technological limitation. And I guess Mm -hmm. some people grew up with it. So that's going to be like an aesthetic that they kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I am not in that group of people. It, I just see the technology behind it and I I don't enjoy it but um, not to make that big criticism about it because I mean it is what it is and this movie definitely had its own filmmaking style
1: yeah and just being at that time I can uh, like it doesn't it doesn't bother me too too much no especially like because they they used a lot of slow-mo in this movie so by the end Mm -hmm. I was kind of on the same page and used to seeing that
0: yeah yeah fair enough and you know a ton of like super i was complaining about this right at the beginning like super close-up shots of people's faces a lot of cl-
1: yeah yeah With, weird choices of like we're gonna go close up here medium here and, rarely wide it seems
0: yeah very rarely that and um but a couple times they mm-hmm. kind of did everything like if you think about it like helicopter shots there's a lot of camera movement it's, handheld tripod like they did yeah. it all
1: it's interesting the because I'm, I'm assuming this wasn't too huge of a budget it was seven million. Seven million. okay but it's interesting like okay, yeah we're gonna pay for the helicopter, but the final shootout yeah. scene like it, it totally worked and it is great, and it's very pleasing with freebird like that's a very yeah. kind of <laughs> it has' a, kind of an iconic kind of feel to it, yeah, um but it definitely feels like okay, we're gonna spend the money on kind of the helicopter flying around, and we won't do too much of the actual showing the shootout. Like they yeah. kind of zoom in on them kind of reacting and getting shot and yeah. then they kinda of fade to black. They don't really show the
0: If they played that at full speed instead of in their slow mo with the song, it just would have been like it would have a 10-second clip. It would have been quick,
1: of- but he, even like if it was say like a Michael Bay production or something or if someone who had a little more budget. Like just you'd see kind of the end or where that would lead. Like the yeah. car kind of going into them and whatever. But yeah. Yeah. But it totally works as is, I think.
0: I yes, I enjoyed that part. And I mean, I think my enjoyment of the movie increased as time went on. Oh, absolutely. It it was such a drag in the beginning.
1: Well that's it, because like we said a few times during watching it, it's there's no one here to root for. Like narratively you want to root for the devil just rejects themselves, but mm. these are horrible killers and rapists. Yes, exactly. At the same time,
0: there's no re- nothing redeemable about them. No, we don't, we don't like them other than like the filmmaking kind of suggests you should, you're exactly. following them or it, that's as it. an
1: audience. It's like, well, this is who we have to root for, I guess. And that was much easier to do. Like you said in the like last half of the movie or even mm-hmm. maybe two thirds of the movie when they were mostly just kind of criminals on the run and they're trying to get, they're finding yeah. various people to hide out with. Whereas that first half is just them still kind of being very, rapey and killy and it's very hard to be like what am i supposed to do with this like where am i supposed to land
0: because like i get a um like a sons of anarchy feel like it's badass coolness but like Mm -hmm. laced with like really unsavory like crime and stuff but it's worse than that because yeah they're very rapey Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's horrible like there there isn't it it feels kind of like the texas chainsaw family like you don't like them at all
1: totally but with the texas chainsaw family they are at least in the first one they are um the antagonists, and we have protagonists yeah. that we are with the whole time, well, yeah. and they're this sinister force that we're supposed that we're trying to get out of. Mm-hmm. Here, like we're we're on that family side, and we're supposed to like have sympathy yeah. with them and yeah. watch them go. Th- so it's very um, jarring as an audience member to kind of watch something like this. Yeah. In that sense.
0: You don't like it makes me think of things like hostile and, and we've already talked about Hills have Eyes, but like Again, hostile, we're we're with protagonists that are facing this adversity. Yeah, we're not
1: with the people doing the crimes.
0: The exactly. Whole time. That's the it's got the same sort of like depraved feel to it, but there's mm-hmm. something way more wicked absolutely like not enjoyable wicked not yeah. like that kind of smirking like oh this is fucked like exactly bad mean-spirited yeah in the
1: other in those other examples we can kind of smirk somewhat at the depravity because it is yeah. this it is acknowledged as kind of this dark force that we have to try to um overcome or that we're mm-hmm. rooting for the protagonist to get out of at least to some extent yeah. whereas yeah and this one we don't have that respite
0: at all, it seems. No, we're rooting for bad people. Yeah. Or just sort of but the one thing that you can say about this is if you're just watching a chaotic crime spree slash family, mm-hmm. this was people watching for that. Like it was the movie itself was so like, you know, frenetic and crazy and just kinda all their performances and where it would suddenly cut to and like little silly scenes that didn't like buying a chicken like yeah <laughs> the, some some stuff that kind of seemed in its like just as psychopathic as the characters themselves like in the filmmaking
1: yeah like, it it really does just feel like a love letter to sleaze with like just sleaziness sure, yeah a yeah. sleazy aesthetic and just Dude, kinda, that's a great quote <laughs> and just like other weird like he clearly has a sense of humor a mm-hmm. really dark weird sense of humor and yeah. that's kind of caught up in the sleeves aspect of it as well like the whole chicken scene which doesn't need to be in there at all but no. it's just like this will be hilarious i'm gonna throw it in
0: it it's all it is is the reason that they're out there and they talk to the cop at the end of that scene right that's the only reason right. it's there but they have this yeah. like tense discussion uh, about chicken fucking (laughs) and it was ridiculous but like at the same time you're kind of like what is this i've never seen that before and
1: i do think that um if you had been a fan of something like house of a thousand corpses house of a thousand corpses yeah that's what's called right uh really more like 75 as we learned at the beginning of this movie right (laughs) but if you were a fan of that and which is very much traditional oh a bunch you're with you know five characters that run into this family and have to try to escape them yeah then some a movie like this would be pretty remarkable and bizarre to come out like oh they're doing a sequel to that but you're just with the actual family that was doing the killings this time and you're watching them try to escape the law like that would be very exciting and strange i think
0: in that in that context you know dude totally and i mean i don't know the way it was presented now was also totally strange and Mm -hmm. i don't know like i liked lots of things about the movie yeah but there's some like central threads that run through it that are impossible to like that that is exactly it man i just yeah. I, I have some huge barriers with
1: totally not being able to just become obsessed or love yeah. or even endorse a movie like it's almost bizarre to me that there are people that like um like this is their favorite movie or something yeah. like
0: that that's almost because i mean there's hard to think about yeah there's some like if you're one of those horror junkies who likes that dose of dreadful bitterness Mhm doesn't fully pay off in that. It's got some of it. It's got lots of it, but it makes you feel bad. Not like it's not a thriller, an excitement thing. Yeah. And it's also too lighthearted in other moments. And mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, it doesn't have like a Poughkeepsie Tapes feel to it. It doesn't have like martyrs. It's not dread. It's just like awful. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in moments. But...
1: And like you do, the things I love most about it, even though like I do hate these characters, mm-hmm. is like kind of when they're almost like gleeful yeah. in a certain sense like the way that Captain and would kind of act in his sense of humor like yeah. at certain times and him like fucking with the kids like traumatizing that kid there are things that are hilarious about that totally, totally. outside of the larger context of who they are and I, what they do I, like I, that is enjoyable those I, kinds of scenes
0: yeah i can totally i could enjoy watching a movie where they were the criminals that they were but like honestly, just almost as simple as like not the rape side. Yeah, get that out of there, man. Like, <laughs> that's maybe a product of you know. And being just like yeah. 13 years ago, or when was this? 2005? 2005. 2005. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So 13, 14 years ago. Um,
1: one funny thing uh, that stood out <laughs> is, um, some of them have incredibly gross teeth props that they're wearing. Yeah. Like Captain Spaulding, yeah. which, um, are hilarious, and mm-hmm. I think it's it looks, looks great. great. Um, but then to have that coupled with a lot of the other family members, especially early on, are actors who have beautiful, beautiful veneers for- installed yeah. in their mouth so they' like have this kind of dirt and blood makeup caked onto their face, and some of them their teeth are fit and apt for mm-hmm. like what you'd expect yep. in that situation. and other ones just have like perfect dental work done. Yeah
0: Some like of the actors are like committed to the bit that they're gross. Yeah. but she was supposed to be the angel you know her specifically i don't remember his
1: she was yeah and then just like a few other the family members yeah
0: that are just yeah actors they're going to be in two scenes so they don't hold on to it long yeah um but i mean I, i really liked the the grind how dirty and gross and like their clothes and like he really totally. focused on that too. Like we don't we don't have a lot of that out no, there. No, no, it's great. And even
1: just the look of them driving in the car away at the end is just gorgeous. Like just with mm-hmm. just like they're so wounded. Yeah. This kind of blood all over this Kind of carpeted cover in the yeah. the convertible seats, like that blue that convertible. Just, it looks so good. That uh, whole shot,
0: yeah. And and I mean, I I think the slow motion like was good. That was that was a good choice. It's just it stands out in my brain, of course, because of the look of the effect. Of course, but, yeah. Like, that was the right call for that moment to put all that slow-moving gravity on it. It was,
1: and with that seven million dollar budget, like I imagine, it's probably a huge chunk of that just to pay for Freebird to use Freebird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a mil. The other way that it compares to Hatchet for me is um, in packing the cast with kind of iconic horror actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. We did have a few. So, and I'm sure ones that we just that like we recognize like what are they from, but we yeah. couldn't we didn't like look it up or pinpoint it, but we recognized the Dawn of the Dead lead
0: character yeah so the the pimp guy whatever yeah. his name was uh-huh he was um from dawn of dead we got um from hills have eyes
1: yeah whatever that actor's name is we should do really yeah.
0: that we should look his name up he's the most recognizable person from hills have eyes exactly
1: um he's in it um even um bill mosley the guy who plays the dad of the three or whatever is from right? um texas chainsaw 2*. Right, uh, Kane Hodder Kane Hodder Appears barely But a lot of Kane Hodder lookalikes throughout the film
0: <laughs> Yeah, <'cause>, uh, <laughs> I saw his name on the thing and he's like credited right near the end It's mm-hmm. like gas mask cop or something <laughs> But then yeah, you saw so many other people I'm like, that could be Kane Hodder That could be
1: Kane, that could be Kane <laughs>
0: That could be him, I don't know what he looked like A lot of very similar looking Yeah
1: Maybe it's him And so Sherry Moon Zombie is the
0: main, the daughter that is of the three Sorry, Sherry Moon yeah oh, yeah got a she, little rusty there yeah she was the daughter yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah man i mean pretty awesome for a muse uh, someone who's originally a musician to then be able to kind of channel that into making horror movies yeah and have it somehow be somewhat of a consistent aesthetic with
0: it's a consistent aesthetic but it's not a like i almost feel like yeah, I mean, the- vis
1: visually and makeup-wise, it's consistent with like yeah. how he kind of looked, or at least somewhat related. Music-wise, I mean, this definitely felt like kind of country-ish, scored by the South, whereas yeah. Rob Zombie's movie is music is very much kind of metal, new metal, yep, yep, whatever yep. you'd call that.
0: Yeah, just like a little more hardcore. Yeah, I mean, this was a southern rock feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: the torn clothing. Yeah,
0: dusty roads, dusty, dirty, kind of what you expect. But then, like, they also had lots of um, really colorful signs and buildings to represent the motels and stuff that stick out of this like dusty desert. That's a really
1: great point. The the aesthetic almost felt inconsistent and jarringly so at different times to me because it would be like all kind of red and auburn, dusty shots. And then when you were kind of in interior buildings, it was very vibrant, like almost like, technicolor.
0: It gave me like a Vegas feel to it, like all sorts of like neon lights and or just the decoration. Yeah,
1: reds and greens.
0: Very, yeah, very bright colors in certain places in this movie and like some good establishing shots and some like really out of focus you know just like drunk establishing shots it almost seems like
1: it did feel very inconsistent from like the camera work perspective
0: and like that doesn't almost doesn't bother me that fits like the filmmaking style is almost Mm -hmm. what the characters were like you know like it is a little crazy but like for me there's not a ton to like glom onto and and even Mm -hmm. if we did kind of cut down on some of that like very unsavory um like sexually explicit violence like it, there's still not really enough of a story going on and because we don't love these characters purely yeah like the stakes are so low that i can't i can't like make myself love it or yeah the you know.
1: first honestly we were one third of the way through the movie and that's why even i turned <laughs> yeah. to you at one point i'm like <laughs> you good how are you doing man? <laughs> Yeah, because i at that point i really did not care for this movie mm-hmm. like there was nothing that i liked about it it wasn't until uh-huh. Um, they got kind of away from just the three of them holding people captive and treating them the way that they treat people to them just kind of being on the run and escaping and trying to hide that's when it got more interesting and I started being more curious about where the movie was going but but that first third as someone who is totally ignorant about the other films and kind of Rob Zombie's work yeah. as a whole it just did not appeal and i that, was not interested I was
0: thinking about that if like cuz what they were going for with the movie is like the bag these three devils rejects are kind of the heroes and like You know, they're horrible and whatever, but the cop is almost worse. You know, we don't like Mm -hmm. him because he's worse and he's losing his mind over the whole thing. If they had replaced that scene with um, that stuff in the hotel room that was just horrible where they start by shooting. uh, uh, What's his name?
1: Um, Oh, Brian Posehn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: That was was (laughs) fun to see him. It was. Um, They shoot him. I think they could have like made a very intimidating, scary scene with just that. With, like, kind of, and the fact that one person came out of the shower, that's all very oppressive and scary. Mm -hmm. And then they're forced to leave that room. And then instead of having that super uncomfortable scene with them, that's what the, um, the officer he could have begun his descent into like torturing witnesses or torturing that because he's gonna end up being the bad guy and we're supposed to To really hate
1: him and we want them to kill the cop at the end
0: exactly so like if he had shouldered that brutalness you could kind of have liked the devil's rejects a little bit more yeah that
1: would have been the more kind of straightforward way to write this yeah. story
0: i think and uh, yeah i wonder if it would lose something
1: yeah. yeah for the crowd that absolutely love it i think i wonder if they want that sleaze to be that yeah maybe to they that want extent it to be just greasy and disgusting. i don't know i would i would love to talk to um someone who is a diehard fan because they, they are out there and maybe some of you listeners yeah. are that diehard fan i would love to hear from you yeah about, make your case yeah
0: please find know. a check us out text chris dave saw uh, google it <laughs> wherever you can leave a comment something will come up yeah the um the the mother Mm -hmm. who like right in the beginning got taken into custody a lot of lip licking yeah a lot of lip licking and just like because of like how close the the camera was to everyone's face when they had to act everyone was basically like highly scrutinized by the audience like how good their performance is yeah um and i kind of didn't love the cop especially early on in the movie like his performance compared to the rest of them but the mother she was like the camera was like basically she could have licked it (laughs) she was so close to it but like she, her insanity and her, I don't know, intensity was so good.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about her in, in the first one too. Like, I, yeah. I'm assuming she had maybe more of a, a controlling role because she cl- clearly is yeah. the matriarch.
0: Yeah, and she's devastated. The daughter was devastated when she found out that she was dead.
1: Yeah, much more so than. I mean, is that not the wife of the main guy, of the three? Like, it, they didn't really show his reaction to the news at all. Yeah, I guess not. Maybe, maybe they're not. But she's. Mama to the girl, and he's daddy to her. You know what I mean, right? But there was never any like cut to him for reaction shot.
0: Yeah, that's true. I I wonder. It started with him in bed with that other woman, so I mean, maybe they're not. I
1: mean, it's just like it's just full force hedonism in every direction for these people. They're like, it's anything is fair game. Totally. Anyone else that they pass by, they kill that nurse to take the car right off the get go. To Mm -hmm. you know, they have people still in the basement alive is that what i saw when they're running through the house in the very
0: opening scene people alive in the basement in oh. cages oh, yeah potentially yeah i think that's what i saw oh man yeah the, it feels like the cops would have said more about that but i guess they were yeah
1: they moving were moving the plot along yeah there was some in another interesting flair that just kind of confuses you emotionally watching it is they th- they keep having in between cutscenes these kind of freeze-framed images that just look like you're scrapbook or great photos you took with a polaroid that you put on your wall yeah of all of them just like having a great time in nature just loving each other and they do like weird side swipes with them that gives it kind of like a almost like teen nostalgia road trip kind of feel yeah yeah, yeah. something like that yeah
0: that's i was trying to like come up with a term for what they did there i'm like why the hell did he do that i hated it but like it was interesting i suppose and i think it's more of that like trying to get you to like these people and be on their side. Exactly.
1: That's what I mean by confusing. It's just like it's yeah. throwing these kind of emotional right. yeah, effects yeah. towards you, the audience, and maybe that's exactly what Rob Zombie's trying to do. He's trying mm-hmm. to fuck with our brains. And if so, mission sense. accomplished. Uh huh.
0: But I mean, there's there, there's better ways to fuck with the brain. And oh, uh, one thing I gotta say is that like introductory like shootout that happens in yeah. the house fucking awesome i love the great. shit out of that what a
1: incredible way to open a movie yeah for sure and we didn't know how much we hated the three main characters at that point yeah yeah i hate them and i like them you know what i mean like i, I like kind of their goofiness and their sense of humor but i just i can't obviously yeah you know feel too attached to them because of how horrible of human beings they are
0: exactly yeah <laughs> it, it's hard to even comment because like they don't exist. They've never happened. It's just Rob Zombie wrote weird stuff. So you can forgive the characters because they didn't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. If, you know, the filmmaking lets you. So I yeah. am kind of like interested now in in Three from Hell. I'm, cur- I'm curious. I'm and curious. I am curious
1: about how's Thousand Corpses. I'm, like... I'm,
0: I'm mostly curious about like how like how like how deprived the third one's going to be. Like mm-hmm. it couldn't possibly be that bad. Right. How could it? i don't know today it's not 2005 but i anymore. feel like if you're rob zombie
1: and you're making you gotta up the stakes in some direction yeah but i mean
0: i hope the stakes go down in terms of that one yeah I still i find it very
1: hard at this point to yeah. relate to <laughs> yeah. just because in like one group i saw a guy with um who had like a captain spaulding tattoo on his arm I'm like how
0: could you tattoo that guy like that's wow. you like that character that much i've seen people with um like texas chainsaw
1: like leather face Leatherface, that was yes, and they, I guess it's still people. not that different. Like putting mm-hmm. any kind of killer on, it just it felt like we got such an intimate this one
0: look is, at. Yeah, this one's hard. It doesn't feel like just killers that you can kind of like yeah. you know. It's like Ryan Reynolds in The Voices. Like you love him, mm-hmm. you know, but he's not to his core evil. Yes, you know.
1: Yeah. No, that's a a very good comparison and a great way because you still have you can still have sympathy for the baddies as long as they don't cross certain lines and i feel like these baddies crossed a lot of those lines repeatedly so it made it very hard for them to be sympathetic especially in a situation where they are primed and set up as the protagonists
0: yeah and you can you can suggest that like a character that you like has done something unforgivable if it's sort of a sideways glance suggestion like Right. Not explicit in front of the camera, showing kind of like what that they
1: whole do. scene with just him and the gun and the other woman. Yeah, that's kind what, of like, exactly that what I was That was just the absolute low point of the Horrible, movie for me. Yeah,
0: disgusting, mm-hmm. not compelling, not necessary.
1: And it totally ruined like any wanting to root for this character to get that's, away in any sense. It's that's just, what it is.
0: It's detrimental to like what yeah. a movie should be going for from my perspective. Yeah. Um, but yes, in terms of pure depravity, sure. Mm-hmm. Great. Don't change a thing. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I won't personally recommend this to any of my friends. It's not something that will go on a list. Not at all. Like it's. I mean, I do feel less ignorant, but not that I'm happy. I feel like I'm I made happy. I know choice. what it is now. Yeah.
1: Um, but I do think maybe just some of these things uh, I intuited slightly just from kind of images and what I was aware of it, and maybe mm-hmm. that's why it never really appealed to me to check out in yeah. the first, or appealed to both of us to check out in the first place. Totally.
0: Yeah, I was never interested in this. Yeah, but I mean,
1: but now I, you're right. Like I am. I am curious to find out the rest of the story or maybe I just have someone tell me like what happens in the first one yeah if it's that different yeah.
0: You know. anyways yeah, yeah I, I don't really want to watch the first one but i do want to watch the next one interesting you know like because i feel like the first one is just
1: going to be them being depraved but what my curiosity is or what i'm curious about is um seeing them in a context where they are kind of a terrifying presence. Like seeing Captain Spaulding, if he's just like creeping around right. the shadows and coming for the kids, you know what I mean? I feel like, oh, that would be more fitting in a certain sure. sense. Yeah,
0: you might it might even be better because they're the bad guys. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. We have other teens that we're rooting for, but I was, maybe if this is the way Rob Zombie likes to tell stories, then those actual teenagers who are going yeah. into the house are themselves going to be horrible, depraved people that, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I can wonder. see that yeah being
0: part of it as well dude you're totally right i'm not gonna like the teenagers in the first one i'm sure
1: I'm curious rain wilson's one of them
0: yeah i know i was, I was looking that up today no yeah. i can't even imagine yeah <laughs> i can't even imagine little rain wilson all right well we did it we watched devil's rejects by rob it. yep it's over so there you go well guys thanks for joining us for another great episode of the text chris Dave Saw massacre i'm david stoneborough i'm chris Vandenberg.
1: And as always, chaos reigns,
0: chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Who am I supposed to root for? Chaos reigns. You gotta have someone. Yeah, we didn't. See you. See ya. Next.